Hey everyone, Tim Wright back with you. Wonder Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And it's good to be with you once again. Uh, today we have another good question. I say this all the time. They're always good questions. And this one comes to us from our Facebook page. If you have not joined us on Facebook, it's a great place to interact with other parents who are a part of the Wonder of Parenting community. And if you've got questions or concerns about your parenting or your kids, uh, there are a lot of parents from all around the world who will join you in uh, wrestling with some of the issues that you're wrestling with because they're wrestling with them too. You can go to Wonder uh, to uh, Facebook and then just do a search for Wonder of Parenting. You hit join. And then once I get a notification, I let you on in and you can be a part of the conversations or just read the great posts that are written. And every once in a while, I'm going to pull a question from there that seems to have a lot of energy to it. Uh, Michael, you and I are going to be together this summer uh, here in Phoenix. Uh, most beautiful time of year to be in Phoenix when it's 125 degrees outside. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about some important things that uh, impact parents and educators. And our listening audience can be involved in that remotely if they'd like to be. So tell us about what's going yeah. up this summer. Yeah, I hope people, people will go to gurianinstitute.com, G-U-R-I-A-N, gurianinstitute.com, and uh, click that band. You'll immediately see that says Summer Training Institute. That'll take you to a page, and you'll see all that what that's offered. And the thing is that um, while Tim and I and others will be in Phoenix, you don't have to be in Phoenix. If you're in the area and you're in Arizona or anywhere near there, come to Phoenix. Um, great facility, Desert Willow. It's going to be great. But if you're not near there and you can't come in person, everything is going to be recorded. So you'll have a couple of weeks to watch everything via Zoom and um, uh, at your own convenience. Uh, so go to the website, check it out. You're going to see talks on everything. Uh, I'm going to do a lot with resilience building in kids. There's just a mm. lot there. And, and uh, you just sign up, and then over a multi-week period, you get to watch it all. So we hope you'll go there and sign up. Um, that's on gurianinstitute.com. And I've had a chance not only to speak at some of those, but to participate in them. And um, they just bring in the best speakers. And it's always really practical. That's one of the things that they ask of us as speakers, make it practical. Uh, you know, centered in brain science, of course. And uh, so if you're looking for some some really good information this summer, that's a great place to go, gurianinstitute.com. Uh, tell us, too, about the Forge School, one of our sponsors. Yep, the Forge School, um, wonderful facility, great team there for boys 14 to 17 who are having issues. It's short-term uh, treatment, so one month, six weeks, two months of uh, intensive treatment uh, to help them get back on track. So it's residential treatment. They live there. Uh, so if you know a boy who's 14 to 17 and, and who's having issues in, you know, significant issues in school or personality development or family issues, um, uh, check out Embark at the Forge or the Forge School, and you can go to wonderparenting.com and see the link. You'll also find the link for the Center of Place of Hope. Uh, Dr. Greg Jantz and his organization have been our longtime sponsors. And um, again, I always want to say, if you ever find yourself struggling with something like anxiety or depression, uh, eating disorders, whatever that might be, that's a great place to start. Go to wonderparenting.com for more information about the Center of Place of Hope. And uh, they've got great books, great resources, and of course, a great center uh, to help you deal with some of the challenges that life throws your way. Uh, so again, this question comes from Facebook. I want to dive right into it. Uh, and, and the topic is, this is a guy, dad, which is always great to hear from our dads, who wants to be a good dad. Uh, I actually started listening 
to your podcast just after you guys began the podcast and have to say, I love the show. And we appreciate that. Funny thing is I just moved out of Spokane when I found the podcast. Mm -hmm. I was in search of becoming a better parent because I didn't know how I felt when uh, when I, I didn't like how I felt when I would yell at my kids or even in the manner that I did. Just like in my weight loss journey, I delved deep into the knowledge available and grew a strong bond and relationship with both my children, which left me bewildered when something happened slowly over the course of the past year and escalated six months ago. It began to feel like I was in the twilight zone. So I'll start with my question, then give the explanation of the backstory. From a brain science perspective, and anyone who's had a similar experience, how do I go about having my children move towards understanding that they may need to see a psychologist or specialist in therapy? Could what they are experiencing or feeling be the result of the COVID lockdowns, pathogenic parenting, or something else I'm missing? I feel I know what is know what it is, but I know I can't just up and tell them. What are some suggestions to approach this? So apparently they've got he's got some concerns, and, and now we'll get to those. The backstory. My daughter is 11. My son is 10. They are 14 months apart. My daughter began her cycle at about the start of this. It began with my daughter first and now shifted to my son. Also just over a year ago, I entered into the first relationship I've had since the divorce five years ago, to which they had a welcoming to until six months ago. Uh, the behaviors, refusing to come to me on my visitation, lack of empathy, borrowed scenarios, a complete rejection of me, talking down to me with vulgarity for my daughter, protesting, and the list can go on. I've had to navigate with them from things like calling me by my first name or weekend dad while referring to their mother's boyfriend as dad. Five years of excessive tardies and absences from school, so much as to have been put on attendance contracts attempts at regulating phones given by their mother and sent to my household, false child abuse allegations with CPS, and this list goes on. I hope this paints the picture. So, Michael, as I understand it, this is a guy who had a great relationship with the kids, and now it's gotten, it's broken, uh, mm -hmm. for lack of better words. So what are you seeing here? And then let's talk about it. Mm. Well, uh, it's, it's a very sad situation because this goes on. You know, he's not alone. There are so many... Right divorced dads, divorced parents who go through this and there's this alienation that occurs and it's just one of the most painful things in the world. So really our heart goes out to him uh, and to the family. The It sounds like about a year ago when he says pathogenic parenting, I and then he describes the behavior that the girl is modeling, has modeled somewhere, the vulgarity toward him and and the accusations of him and then borrowed scenarios. A lot of this looks like what I, what I think he's saying is he's saying that the mom has uh, turned the kids against him. Yeah. It sounds like, and it, it seems triggered by him uh, forming a bond with this other, with this other woman. And for mm -hmm. the first six months or so, it seemed okay, but some, something has happened in the, for the mom or with the mom and she's turning the kids against him. I was the best I was able to get out of this. Is that what you got? That's how I read it, that that he's got a new person in his life, and that seems to have um, triggered some other things. And uh, it also sounds like it's challenging for him to have his ex-wife's new boyfriend referred to as dad mm -hmm. by his kids, where Which it almost like reading... 
Right. Go Reading ahead. between Sorry. the lines, it sounds like they've got a better relationship with the mom's boyfriend than they do with their own biological dad. Yeah, or or they're being coached to to do that. Coached to do it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So uh, you know, of course, something something has happened. A lot has happened between these two parents, and and the mom is thinking she's being protective of the kids mm-hmm. because she's vilifying the dad and who knows what he has done. We don't know. So she's vilifying him and she turns the kids against him and she feels okay about doing that because she's got a stable male. So whether consciously or unconsciously feels like, Oh, I got, I got Joe over here. He's a stable male. Kids don't really need dad. And I don't like that other woman. So I'm going to protect my kids from that other woman too, who dad is now bonded with. And in her mind, I'm sure this makes sense, but what she's, uh, and she turns the kids against him. And so he doesn't have the power to get them into therapy. I mean, unless someone else came up with something else, I don't think this dad has that kind of power. Maybe he's got some grounds here. They didn't give us to take her back to court. Uh, Maybe there are some grounds and he goes back to court and he says, I, these kids need to be in therapy or we need to change the custody agreement or something like that. But that's going to happen in the courts and be really contentious. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he has right now the power to get him in therapy. Um, if she has this sort of control over their relationship with him, she's going to have that control too. And she's probably not going to, not going to let them go to therapy if the dad suggests it, because she's also not going to want, you know, them telling the therapist what's going on. Because if she is turning them against the dad and if, if her doing that is unreasonable, in other words, he hasn't been violent, he's, you know, he's not a bad father, um, then she at some level knows she doesn't want the world knowing. She doesn't want therapists knowing that she's doing this thing, which is ultimately a terrible thing to do, right? To turn your right. kids against their father. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Um, so uh, all of this is going on, and this is so terribly common and, and so very sad. And I... um you know, he asked if COVID lockdowns could do something. Okay, no way we would know that. Certainly they create stress and pressure uh, that could have added to it. Um, but I think he he figured it out that him bonding with this other woman a year ago started her, the mom, to alter her protectiveness in a different way of these kids. And now she's doing a bad thing, but she thinks she's protective and he is without power. So in terms of what can he do outside of the courts and all of that, um, he is he is in that terrible position that divorced dads get into where he just has to keep proving himself to these kids 
And he's going to have to pick a few things like maybe the tardiness. He, he doesn't have the power to do anything about that. Um, maybe. Right. But he can mm-hmm. pick. Here's the activity that my son likes. OK, so I'm going to, you know, on my visitation time or when I have, you know, I, I, on that weekend, my son and I are going to do that activity together. And and the daughter, my daughter and I are going to do that activity together or the three of us are going to do these activities together. And I'm just going to keep loving them. And, uh, and, and, you know, while advocating and, and at a certain point, at a certain point, they are going to be old enough. If in fact, this is what's going on. If the mom is doing what it appears he is saying she's doing, he is going to have to talk to them honestly, you know, and, and, uh, except that he has the protections already of the court, that his visitation can't be taken away, that he's got that set up. And so then he would have to talk to them honestly and say, you know, uh, I'm being accused of stuff that is not true. And mm-hmm. your mom is accusing me. And I don't want you to turn against your mom. You're going to love your mom. But you got to realize you're being manipulated and and it's a bad position for you to be in. Uh, and, and at a certain point, they get old enough to understand it. Yeah. Uh, it does sound like, you know, he's, he's sort of positioning this as it kind of happened within the last six months. And yet when you read on, uh, five years of excessive tardies, um, not, uh, showing up on time for his, his, uh, his times with them seems to, this seems to have been going on for longer. Uh, and maybe it's just sort of hit ahead for him. Um, yeah, I think so. She was calling CPS on him and yeah, false child abuse allegations. We're going to assume they're false because he tells us they are. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They've had a contentious divorce. There's, there's yeah. no doubt. And now it's now she's in a new mode. So this is, as you say, this is a very common scenario for divorced families. Not all of them. You know, there are certainly, you know, divorce situations where the parents really, for the sake of the kids, lay that stuff aside and both parents are actively involved and and so on. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, if you get divorced more often than not, there's going to be a lot of hurt and pain and disappointment and it can come out on the kids. Um, so let's, let's go a bit deeper. Well, well, let's, I want to wrap up for him. What you're saying at this point, you can't make your kids go to counseling. I suppose he could invite them to go with him and see if they want to go. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he would need permission from right. their mother, but I would think that for him, uh, you know, if he feels like he wants to build a better relationship with his kids, he might say, Hey, can we go talk to somebody? Just, I want to make sure that we're, we have the best relationship possible, but he certainly can't force either one of his kids to go on their own at this point is what I hear you saying. Well, I don't think he can force them. I'm thinking there's probably legal reasons he can't force them. Yep. Um, uh, and that probably the way this is set up, the mom has a lot of the power. Yep. So, um, yeah. So yeah, if they're calling him a weekend dad, then that's, that mom's yeah. got them most of the time. So they don't have, you know, joint custody or, and I don't know if they would have shared custody, um, how it work in the state he's in, but yeah, he's not getting a lot of time with these kids. So she's got a lot of the power. Uh, I like your idea, though, if he's in counseling and, you know, the kind of stress this guy is under, this dad is under with his kids turning against him. I hope he's in counseling. He needs a place to go. And a men's group of divorced dads would be great, too, um, to support him and um, other people who have had his experience. And and yeah, and then maybe invite them in to counseling. Uh, Just just watch out that he doesn't do something that triggers something legal. Right. 
Right. And part of what his great challenge is, uh, is he has to, in a sense, rise above that stuff and be dad and not get sucked into um, what may be games being played by uh, his ex-wife or their mom. Uh, he's he's still got to try. He's, that's why he says he's trying to be a good dad. How can he be a good dad in the midst of all of this? So when we talk about these sort of issues, uh, and certainly we don't want to, uh, you know, our, our hope is that none of our parents who are listening are going through divorce, but there's a likelihood that some will be. Mm-hmm. What what should a mom and a dad who are getting divorced, what should they be thinking about and being aware of to for the sake of the kids? What do these parents need to do to navigate what can be a very painful time in their life and yet protect their kids? Um, they need, you know, there are three primary things. One is as soon as they've decided to get divorced, they need to stop um, involving themselves emotionally with each other. So in other words, they have to distance themselves so that they mm-hmm. don't get triggered. Right. So that mm-hmm. all the, Got it. the hate or right. the anger and all these things don't get triggered because they distance themselves. Now this is upon deciding they've mutually decided they're going to get divorced. They've started that process. Yep. Um, that is very protective of the kids because right. Every time they get triggered, the very things that are, that they feel are forcing them to get divorced, right. Are constantly triggering them, these angers, or maybe one of them mm-hmm. slept with someone else or, you know, all this stuff, whatever it all is, has triggered divorce. Most common reason for divorce these days is uh, lack of emotional fulfillment. Uh, you know, one parent or both parents, uh, both people feel that they're not emotionally fulfilled by their spouse. Okay. Even, and that makes them very angry, but even that they have to distance themselves from it say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I'm done with that. Um, uh, and that will protect their kids. Number two, they work out the, it, let's assume both parents are, are good parents, which they generally are. Um, uh, shared custody is, is generally better than uh, one parent having 80, 90% of the time and one having 10 that that is really a recipe for problems. So, uh, and that's only a that's a system that got set up for two reasons. One, because wanted to protect the kids from the parent that the court decided wasn't as good a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, which is questionable about what what the court should decide, but that's that was one reason. The other was uh, that got set up because there were so many of these, um, uh, you know, sexual abuse or these scenarios that were given in divorce, right. and it was m- mainly to the detriment of the father but not always. And, you know, the courts is being, the courts have to accept that stuff and those accusations and they want to protect kids. And so this thing got set up where one parent gets 90% and one parent gets 10%. And it's like, uh, there's evolutionary drag on it now. We can't get rid of it. Uh, But some states are getting rid of it. Some states and some counties are saying, no, shared custody. Uh, Both parents get equal time. So that's number two. Try to work out a way that both parents get equal time unless one parent is abusive, et cetera, et cetera. But one parent having had an affair with someone else that hurt the spouse, but is still a good parent with the kids, that's not enough, right, to get rid of shared custody. So we have the parents have to separate that. They have to say, wait a minute, shared custody is more important than my hurt because you slept with someone else. And that you have to have, you know, a big soul to do that. But yeah. to protect the kids, got to try to do that. Uh, that's number two. And then number three, constantly be honest with the kids. Um, 
and uh, honest, especially about the assets of the other partner, of the other parent, about how that other parent is a good mom, a good dad, you know, really be talking up the assets of the other parent rather than denigrating the other parent. Mm-hmm. Because the denigration of the other parent, which is which could be because the other parent is abusive and dysfunctional, but that's a small percentage, right? It's usually the parent is angry. So then denigrates the other parent and then the kids are getting that. And then they're having to process through, well, he isn't really a good man. He isn't really a good dad, you know, and what they need is the parents to support each other and to support each other's assets. So those are the Mm -hmm. three things we know if the parents will do those things, the divorce is less traumatic for the kids and um, the kids won't suffer as many consequences, substance use, you know, promiscuity. I mean, there are so many things that come from divorce trauma, Mm -hmm. Uh, but those three things are protective. So hard to do in reality, though, isn't it? Right. For a lot of it because the hurt is. is so so deep, and we live we live in a culture, and maybe everybody does, but we live in a culture where we have to blame somebody uh, mm. because it mm. just it it sort of helps if we can blame somebody. It gives us a little foundation to build on. It gives us a place to focus our anger, and um, you know, and and for kids in particular, who oftentimes wonder what they did to cause mommy and daddy to stop loving each other. Um, I could imagine it would be fairly easy for kids to try not to have to deal with that themselves. And, Oh, mom says it's dad's fault. Dad says it's mom's fault. Okay. Well, that helps me a little bit. Um, so the kids have all of this stuff. They've got to process on top of mom and dad's stuff. Yeah. And parents, I know parents have seen this in the media or something, but we got to get it into our heads too, that kids will blame themselves. Mm-hmm. That you are absolutely right. You know, they'll still, even if the parents do all those things, I just, those three things I described and create a really neat environment, you know, a less traumatic environment, they're going to still probably have kids go through counseling, or they're mm-hmm. going to still probably have these kids who, when they're 25, you know, they're resilient, they'll, they'll turn out well, et cetera, but they're going to be 25 still thinking, how did I cause that? You know, because, mm-hmm. Because they are, they're vulnerable children and they're seeing their family structure fall apart and self-blame is a difficult thing not to get into. So uh, I, the neat thing is if the parents are honest and if the parents are supportive of each other and all these things, the kids will feel less of that. You know, mm-hmm. the kids will go, oh, okay, you know, my parents don't love each other anymore. That's not on me. And they, they're not having to process through all that self-blame and self-loathing which they process through as the parents are filled with self-loathing and attack the other parent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's no room for the child to feel anything else except self-loathing uh, and self-blame. But if the parents can be amicable and can set up these structures that are protective, um, they are, they are help, helping the child not to have as much self-loathing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know, you know, I, as a pastor, uh, you know, I hear these things from time to time because we do have people in our churches who go through divorce and, um, you know, occasionally you'll hear children who are concerned that mommy and daddy are going to get divorced because mommy Mm -hmm. and daddy just had a fight. Mm -hmm. And of course, divorce is so, it's so prevalent now, you know, most of our kids have friends whose parents aren't married to each other anymore. And so it is one of those big destabilizing fears that our kids have. Uh, And so uh, it's traumatic for them. 
uh, on a different level than, and moms and dads are dealing with their own pain. So that's what makes it even more difficult. Mm. I know that there are different theories on divorce and should parents stay together for the sake of the kids? Mm. Mm -hmm. Is it better for the kids if mom and dad are just at each other's throats to get divorced? And I'm guessing that's just not one answer is better than the other. But what are some things parents should be thinking about when they're confronting that particular issue? Yeah. Um, So I've written a number of, as you know, marriage books, um, couples books, and my latest one is called Lessons of Lifelong Intimacy. So anyone listening Mm -hmm. can get this book on Amazon or, you know, anywhere it came out from Simon and Schuster, Lessons of Lifelong Intimacy. And I really delve into this in there uh, from a research-based perspective. Um, And I, I guess what I can share is that that my advice always to parent, to people who have kids, like when they would come into my office and they would say, okay, we're having trouble. We need couple counseling. We're having trouble. You know, we're kind of leaning, leaning toward divorce. Um, if they had kids, I would say to them, well, I have to tell you my bias uh, and you have to decide if you want to work with me. Since you have kids, my bias is going to be to try to help you stay together mm-hmm. until the kids are grown. And so that's my bias. It doesn't mean that, you won't get divorced. And if you do get divorced, I will try to support you guys in being having a healthy divorce, right? We call it a healthy divorce. But my bias is because you have kids, uh, be better to be stable. But what are the exceptions to that? Well, well, no, let me first say that if the reason that they are wanting to get a divorce is that one or both of them is no longer feeling fulfilled by the other, then I double down on it. <laughs> you know, then I say, okay, I'm doubly biased because emotion <laughs> lack of emotional fulfillment it comes and goes and you have not felt fulfilled for the last year, but a year from now you could feel fulfilled. Uh, That's something I want to help you weather because that's not abuse. That's not violence. That's not alcoholism. uh, That's not your partner is mentally ill. um, And that's not even affairs. You know, that's something that we can work with uh, and that does not have to, irreparably damage this relationship. So then I would double down on that. If, but the exceptions are, okay, if the, if a parent's been having affairs, I still try to get the, I still try to get them the help they need to stay together because Mm -hmm. even affairs can be dealt with even affairs. We can figure out why the person having affairs, does he have a sex addiction? Does she have a sex addiction? You know, there's all sorts of levels of why that happens. Is it a problem in the relationship? Is it that he is non-monogamous? In other words, he doesn't have the genes for monogamy uh, mm. or she doesn't have the genes for monogamy. Okay, then we got to look at that and they got to develop a plan to get them until the kids are grown. Uh, but sometimes that one we can't work around and that that creates the divorce. Um, but it's like a gray area in terms of the exception. The things that are the exception where I know I can't help them stay together is if it's the substance abuse, you know, substance use that's significant. Uh, so we're going to try to get that person in 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 uh, recovery and detox, Mm -hmm. but if that continues, that's really hard. And obviously abuse or violence, we have to remove. Um, uh, But I I would estimate that 80 to, I would estimate that at least 80% of the folks who get divorced, who have kids don't have to, because Mm -hmm. there are things they can do if they have a different attitude toward the next five years of their, their marriage, you know, or the next six years of their marriage. If they see it as a phase of life, that they're going to stay married for these kids and there isn't violence, there isn't, you know, substance abuse, et cetera. Um, 
I want them to try to stay together because family stability is great for these kids. So mm-hmm. I lean toward let's all try to stay together. But I have helped. I can't tell you how many couples have an amicable and healthy divorce. So I'm not anti-divorce or anything. Um, I'm just going to lean that way because they have kids. But interestingly, if they came into my office and they had no kids, I'll, I'll tell them I don't have a bias. You know, OK, let, let's what's going on. You don't feel emotionally right. fulfilled. You're 32 years old. You're 31 years old. Neither of you feels emotionally fulfilled. OK, I get it. Uh, y- you know. You got married too young. Yeah. Let me help you get a, a, a good divorce. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, for me, it is the kids. If not, if the exceptions are operative, then okay, we're, they're going to divorce. But if I can help them stay together, the research on divorce trauma, the research on, on the kind of trauma that kids go through, and then on what happens with their relationship with their father post-divorce, yep. you know, that's really powerful stuff. And I know there are people out there, psychologists out there who would say, I just did a study and I saw that kids of divorce turn out better than kids whose parents stay together. And all, that's out there. You know, yep. everyone's got studies. And, you know, um, uh, that research, I don't really trust. The research I would trust is the research that shows that if the parents stay together, but they spend five years attacking each other. Mm-hmm. OK, then that's really traumatic for those kids. And, yeah, those if they can't work it out for those five years, then they should divorce, you know, yeah. that, that their kids, five years of that kind of stress is trauma for the kids. But if they can work it out and see the next five years differently for the mm-hmm. sake of the children, that I think is preferable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so much stuff on a topic like this yeah. and we, you know, in a half hour, we can't get at all of it, but tell us the name of the book again. Oh, lessons of lifelong intimacy. Right. And uh, a great book. I highly recommend it. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously I know that you're a big proponent of counseling. So if parents be, feel, start to feel like their marriage is unraveling, the sooner they get in for help, usually the better. Oh yeah. Um, and, yep. and you know, this, I've experienced it as a pastor. I don't do a lot of counseling, but usually when I get people to see me, it's almost beyond the point of no return, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't mean they can't, but if they had come a year earlier, uh, or six months earlier, it might've made a big difference. And, uh, so our, our relational health, we want to take as seriously as we take our physical health and, and all the other things in our lives. So, uh, this is really good stuff, Michael, and, uh, really challenging stuff. I have a feeling we'll be back on this topic again in the weeks and months to come, mm-hmm. uh, as we talk about this. So want to thank you very much for your insights. Mm. Thank you. Thanks for your great questions. Yep. And thank you, everybody. And we'll be back with you next time for another podcast, The Wonder of Parenting, A Brain Science Approach to Parenting. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.